Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiny East Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. I'm going to do a little bit something different today. Uh, I'm going to talk about a single episode of a TV show. Uh, So, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen this episode, you really should. It is Doctor Who... Uh, season two with David Tennant, and it is called The Woman in the Fireplace. So The Woman in the Fireplace, go ahead and watch that, season two, it's on HBO now. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, of course, once again, reviewing HBO stuff, and uh, my wife and I have started re-watching Doctor Who, starting with the Christopher Eccleston season all the way up, uh, probably through the end of Jodie Whittaker's season, and, you know, excited to see who's next and as far as the Doctor's concerned. But I'm not going to go ahead and talk about Doctor Who as a series. I'm just going to talk about a single episode this week. Uh, so, yeah, Doctor Who, Girl in the Fireplace, David Tennant, go ahead and watch it. It's good, and then uh, we'll come back and talk about it. You watched it? Good. All right, so... Uh, the Girl in the Fireplace is a episode of Doctor Who that is probably one of the best. That's probably right there at the top of my favorite episodes of, of television of all time. There is just something amazing about that episode. And and really, it's, it's pretty uh, interesting 
as far as like the idea behind it, but not the most interesting idea that <laughs> Doctor Who has to offer. So there's a lot more fascinating topics, of course, Doctor Who comes up with, right? Uh, one of the, you know, cool things about a, a show that's premised like Doctor Who is that there's new and interesting stuff uh, <laughs> that they talk about every season, right? So there's new interesting topics that they cover. Uh, but this particular one was just a cool idea, but not the best idea. But there's something about that show that's just real, or that particular episode that's just really good. It has everything. You know, it has... Uh, it, it's more horror than it's science fiction, even though, of course... You know, when when Doctor Who takes a lot of the the tropes, they they take you know horror movie tropes and and build them in. I mean, there's a lot of horror movie episodes of Doctor Who throughout the the seasons. Uh, you know, Girl in the Fireplace, I would say, is one. Uh, the Weeping Angels is, of course, a very good uh, episode. Probably another one of my favorites, and I'll have to talk about that one on a later podcast. But uh, today, I'm talking about the Girl in the Fireplace, and then. Uh, of course, there's this one in, in the first season uh, where there's a werewolf, you know, so uh, they do take horror movie ideas and horror movie tropes and, and put them in Doctor Who. And this is one such one. And it is the clockwork people. So, you know, the kind of horror movie premise of it is that there are these, you know, uh, beings out to kill this uh, girl. And uh, whenever, you know, they see that the clock is broken on the mantle, but they still hear the sound of a clock ticking. They know one of those creatures is in the room, right? And and they're actually kind of horrifying to look at. They're sort of the French uh, fop noblemen, <laughs> but with ghostly hollow eyes and, and sort of a tilt in their head uh, that makes you think of them as not being real. So almost like a, a kind of terrifying doll come to life. So they're they're pretty spooky looking even if it's you know in a in a version of Doctor Who that you know looking back the the technology as as far as like CGI and and you know graphics have been concerned have gotten way better like like watching these <laughs> seasons of Doctor Who that you know I had seen them out when they were new, you know what I mean? Like like they were new television when I was watching these, you know, like I, I started watching the reboot around the time of David Tennant. And of course, David Tennant is one of the best doctors of all time. So you get hooked in and <laughs> have been watching it ever since. Right. You know, and at the time that David Tennant was on, it looked fairly, you know, cool what they were doing. But then, uh, <laughs> later on, it looks, you know, cheesy because graphics have just gotten, so much better and and you can see how much they've improved in in the years the what 16 17 years since that season i think it i think it came out in 2003 i want to say maybe i don't know maybe i'm wrong about that maybe it was 2006 yeah uh, i bet i can look it up but i'm not bothering to <laughs> uh, so uh you know uh but the the you know, Doctor Who, uh, famous for not updating any of their look of their things. Like, you know, Star Trek, they'll update the look, right? So they'll, they'll make the Enterprise, uh, <laughs> you know, look like a new 
spaceship like with technology and capability that you couldn't perceive of happening you know like like they don't make the enterprise look like the same one that captain kirk was in in the 60s because obviously the <laughs> filming technology has gotten a lot better since then but doctor who is pretty famous for actually keeping the look from the 50s and the 60s you know so so they you know take this dalek and this the cyberman that that was actually made from you know the material components that you see so you you see the the egg beater for a laser and, and the plunger for <laughs> the arm or whatever for the dalek and it looks the same now you know what i mean like the, the plunger egg beater uh obviously that's what they made it out of in the 60s but now they <laughs> releasing it you know to this day and they're still they look the same right they didn't change the look of any of these creatures which was a pretty bold move if you think about it like like they had the opportunity with the reboot reboot to make you know uh, cybermen more borg looking like creatures or or to turn the daleks into fearsome pillars of doom or whatever but they decided to just go with the old school look uh and I feel that the clockwork creatures within uh, the Girl in the Fireplace episode actually will probably withstand the test of time uh, for just their creepy value. <laughs> like, I feel that, like, that kind of creepy value <laughs> doesn't go out of style. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's creepy now, it's probably going to be creepy in the future. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong about this, so people of the future, uh, time travelers, if you will, uh you know, come and tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, please, I'd like to know if time travel exists. You know, and, you know, here's my personal thing about time travel. Maybe I've said this before on this podcast, but, like, you know, when it comes to time travel, a lot of people will say, well, time travel doesn't exist because where are all the time travelers? If it existed, then we would see a bunch of people from the future coming to visit. And my response to that is, would you know a time traveler if you met one? <laughs> Like, really, seriously, think about it. Like, the next time you're in line at McDonald's and there's somebody standing behind you in line, how do you know they're not a time traveler doing a cultural study on, you know, 21st century fast food? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you don't know, right? <laughs> you don't know that that person behind you isn't a time traveler because, you know, I, I would think that if you're a time traveler, you would just blend in with everyone else. You just come back like Doctor Who does. They come back in t contemporary clothing and they just sort of <laughs> go around uh, looking like everyone else, right? So so you wouldn't know. And, and of course, you don't want to ask that question to the person behind you in line at McDonald's because <laughs> like people will think you're not all right in the head, right? If you're you're checking with people like, are you a time traveler? Are you a time traveler? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that's not a question you just ask complete strangers, right? But that that's <laughs> like like if they're not a time traveler, <laughs> they're liable to think you're pretty kooky. And if they are a time traveler, are they even going to tell you? You know what I mean? Or is are they breaking some temporal directive just by telling you this, right? So this whole argument of where are all the time travelers, I don't buy it simply because I don't know if you'd be able to recognize a time traveler. Not to mention, like, what if they're so good? Like, like okay, so that's for time travelers out, uh, out in the open. What if they are so good that they're just cloaked, <laughs> you know? Like, 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 like there's a time traveler standing in the room at, at the White House, uh, <laughs> you know, watching the 
the meeting go down for, I don't know, like post 9-11 or something because they're recording the historical whatever <laughs> facts about it. And and no one knows that that time traveler's there because they're invisible or hovering or, you know, <laughs> shrunk themselves to a microscopic size. You know, like, like who knows what they have the capability of doing. So, yeah, where are all the time travelers? Well, they're just good at what they do. That's my response to that. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, hopefully, if I'm right, <laughs> those clockwork guys will be creepy uh, no matter, you know when they do them. So when they do another episode with the clockwork uh, dudes, they'll, they'll still have that creep factor to them, you know? I mean, imagine seeing one of those in your room, like this creepy French fop-looking thing with a white face and a slightly tilted head and this weird ticking sound, and and then eventually has, like, this, you know, uh, creepy little saw thing for a hand. You know, that's, that's pretty terrifying. Uh, and so, yeah, I like the creep factor of that, of that, especially the whole idea that the clock is broken, yet you hear ticking anyways, like that adds this whole element of creepiness to it. But what also adds it is, is just the, the Madame de Pompadour character. So you, you, you know, find out that it's Madame de Pompadour, uh, a famous courtesan for the king, and, uh, you know... They they keep saying that she's not complete, right? And they keep jettisoning off to the future, you know, and and you're like you know what's going on. And, and meanwhile, uh, Rose and her boyfriend uh, Mickey are exploring the spaceship in the future uh, where these robots are coming from, and uh, you know find out that there are body parts of the crew that were used to repair the ship. So they you know see this ocular device on the ship and it turns out that there's a real human eyeball and then they look at something else and there's a real human brain in there. So, the, you know, the crew was stripped down for parts. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And then, of course, uh, the ship starts punching holes through time to see if it can get this uh, uh, apart from the uh, from from the girl in the fireplace, from Madame de Pompadour. And you know, it keeps they keep saying, "You know, she's not complete," and they they keep disappearing and stuff like that. And you know, uh, you're, you're getting the idea that they're going to butcher her one day and use her for parts, but obviously she's not old enough or or something like like has to get to the right age and it's kind of an interesting thing because you know the doctor keeps going through these windows of time and keeps meeting her at different stages of her life and you know it it makes kind of this interesting almost romance idea you know where you could tell she kind of has the hots for him i mean it's david tennant who doesn't have the hots for him uh <laughs> and uh you know, uh, she even makes a, 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 a comment about how he's able to walk in and out of her life and she's always forced to take the slower path, you know, to when she'd see him again. And it, it makes a kind of a cool, tragic story, like, like a very, 
I don't know, there's something really interesting <laughs> about that idea where, you know, she is there on the slower path and there's, you know, a better way. And, and I think that adds like a really, I don't know, interesting question about, you know, it, it's the conundrum that Star Trek kind of talks about with the, the prime directive, you know, so, you know, the deeper meaning I think behind that is like, what do you do if you're a more advanced civilization, you know, so, you know, Star Trek talks about this where, you know, the, the prime directive is they, you know, go out to the the stars and, and the only people they're allowed to kind of talk to and interact with and trade with and all that are other people that have at least got warp technology. So like warp technology is the threshold uh, for when they're allowed to talk to other aliens. And, you know, it, it brings up an interesting question also about like us, you know, humans in the cosmos where, you know, people like the Fermi paradox, the most famous one of like, you know, are we alone? <laughs> are there some other creatures like hanging out there going, what's up, dude, we're aliens, man. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, the Fermi paradox kind of says if there is that many planets out there with potential for life and, you know, uh, you know, they, they all can have, uh, that much life and then they would, you know, uh, be <laughs> like, 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 where are they there? You know, they would be all like, like they, they should be here by now, you know, why have we heard nothing? And, you know, the, the prime directive is a, a really good answer to that. You know, like maybe there is some intergalactic law that, <laughs> you know, they can't talk to civilizations until they reached a certain technological threshold. Like it would make sense. You know what I mean? Like, like some of the reasons for that is like, you know, if you, if you reach the technological threshold and survive, well, obviously your species can handle a, a lot of power. You know what I mean? Uh, if you kill yourself off before you reach that technological threshold, well, then you never deserve to have that power to begin with. You know what I mean? Like that's sort of the idea, the the self-destruct narrative of, of if a, a species can survive to a certain point without self-destructing, then they're deserving of of aliens <laughs> and being part of that intergalactic culture. But uh, if they can't do that, then they just deserve to annihilate themselves. You know what I mean? And like, I could see that, that that actually makes a lot of sense. Cause like even like warp drive. So, you know, if you think about warp drive in, in Star Trek terms, while really hard to do in reality, not physically impossible in, in the sense that, you know, physicists, there's like a physicist at NASA whose job it's to like, think if there's a way to make a warp drive one day, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like the idea behind it can actually work, but there's a lot of things in physics that would say, yeah, it's probably not going to happen, but if it did happen, there'd be a lot of things they have to figure out, like stopping the ship. Like one thing that they were thinking is if you were to stop a, a ship going at warp, like if you were literally bending space around it, when it stopped, would it create a shockwave so big that you'd like destroy the destination planet of where you're going to? You know what I mean? Like, like if you, <laughs> you know, if you're destroying the destination planet, then it's not really useful, right? But if you had something that can destroy an entire planet, 
you could see why you just wouldn't want to give it to any old aliens. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you guys are cool. Here's this planet destroying technology. Just don't destroy mine. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you could see why you would want them to pass a, a, a threshold and, and not annihilate themselves. Because, you know, the chances of them annihilating everybody else in the universe at that point are pretty low, right? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, if, if they can show the the maturity to handle uh just world destroying technologies uh well then then maybe they're worth your attention so maybe that's the answer right and and i think doctor who back to girl in the fireplace actually asks this question in the episode of is that the answer you know what i mean like 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 what do you do when uh this person is on the slower path quote unquote and you have the ability to change her life dramatically. You know what I mean? Like you have all this technology and these ideas that this person living in like 17th century France could only dream of doing. Like, and you obviously, you know, have a connection to her, whether or not it's romantic or not. I'll let people kind of decide that for themselves after viewing the episode. But, uh, you know, you have this obvious, an obvious connection in some way to her, uh, you know, what do you do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you, do you basically save her life by bringing her into your world and, and, uh, you know, uh, letting her have access to essentially the stars or, or do you just let her keep going on the slower path? <laughs> you know, do you, do you let that happen? And then, you know, it brings up a, a good question to, you know, the Fermi paradox, like if if aliens were looking down at Earth and they're like, man, these humans are just going to wipe themselves out, but we could save them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like we have this ability to do this right now, like take any, you know, possible world ending <laughs> problem and they have the ability to just like, oh, it's done, it's fixed. You know what I mean? Like, like, do they do that <laughs> or do they let events take out their natural course, even if it's painful for them to watch? You know what I mean? Like, like you know, is that the sign of, of, I guess, <laughs> technological maturity that you have the ability to, you know, change things and fix things, but you know that for, you know, maintaining the timeline or, you know, uh, the good of the, the species on that planet, you can't do that, you know, you can't make that choice. Uh, it would be probably a pretty hard choice for someone to make, especially, forming a connection, you know, like if you really think like, oh, well, maybe I could just go save this one human, <laughs> but like, yeah, what does that do the timeline at that point, you know? Uh, so forcing her to go on the slower path while he just hops in willy nilly between her world. And yeah, very cool episode, really highly recommended. And, you know, I'm going to spoil it now because you probably have seen the episode or if you haven't you're probably never going to see the episode so who am i kidding uh saving the the best for last but uh you know so you know the ending you find out the reason why the robots keep coming back to her is the the ship is named madame de pompadour so you know the the uh the ship is named after her so they think that her brain would you know <laughs> replace the broken computer of the ship right uh, so, and that's why the ship started killing all the people and, and using body parts to fix the ship is because the central computer broke. And so that's why it was punching holes through time, right? Because it said, oh, well, 
I'm named Madame de Pompadour, so it must be her brain that I'm using, so I need her spare parts, and I am a ship that's 37 years old, so I gotta wait until she's 37 years old <laughs> to go get her brain, you know what I mean? Uh, that's why she's not complete. So, kind of a cool ending, where it, it wraps it up in this really neat bow, but man, such a good episode. There is something about that that is, uh, you know emotional there's this really forlorn uh side to it it's spooky uh you know doctor who is the the hero literally coming in on a horse uh <laughs> you know uh, at one point he there's a horse on the ship and he uses it to break through one of the time windows uh <laughs> but yeah i it has everything that makes doctor who good all in one episode and it's a good episode uh to watch if you know nothing about doctor who so if you've never seen doctor who before you can kind of get everything that doctor who is about in that one episode without having to really watch the rest of it so if you want like a really one episode of doctor who you don't want to miss that's that's the one. So go watch uh, Girl in the Fireplace and enjoy. And if you ever hear a clock ticking in the room and all the clocks are broken, it's time to get the hell out of that room. <laughs> Anyways, have a good night. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.